Well, we want to start today with a shout out to our friends listening in Faroe Island, which is found between Iceland and Norway. We are so glad you're with us. Welcome to the God's Word Gives Hope podcast, where we are passionate about connecting His Word to your life. This podcast provides opportunities to further feed your soul or simply be replenished by listening. We are glad you're here. Welcome back to God's Word Gives Hope podcast. I'm Amy. And I'm Janae. So last week, we talked about an upcoming webinar that you were going to do, Janae, but there are some changes and we think it's important for our listeners to find that out. Absolutely. Well, this Thursday, I was supposed to have a webinar entitled, Take Your Life Back, When and How to Draw the Line. But for a lot of different reasons, it seemed best to defer the webinar. So so we, you drew a line. Well, I drew a line. It was a boundary. And interesting <laughs> enough, I've actually had some feedback where people were glad that it was going to be postponed into the new year because it's just a crazy time of the... We're entering into the holiday season when November 1st hits, apparently. So um, anyway, what I would like to encourage you to do, if you haven't already subscribed to my newsletter... Mm-hmm. Um, you can do that on JanaeShatleyCamp.com. It's a brief newsletter, comes out every Monday, and that's where I will keep you with the up, most up-to-date information on future webinars, as well as some very good little pieces of information that will be helpful for your week. So hopefully you will go and do that. Well, I have to say I am not somebody who enjoys reading newsletters in emails. I think they're entirely too long usually. And I love yours because there are really easy, like the points are easy to read, easy to bring into life. And I always leave with something that can actually impact my week. Um, I just need you to stop using me as so many examples of oh, you're so of funny things that need to be done. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so thank you for writing it. So we are on week three of our Know Who You Follow series. And if you're curious what the characteristic we'll be discussing next week is, Stick around until the end of our episode and we'll share that. But before we get into today's characteristic of knowing the type of God that we follow, we wanted to talk to you about a couple of ways why this is so important for you to know who you follow and how it impacts our lives. The first major impact is our prayer life. Mm. How often do we actually call on the different names of God or the characteristic of God that matches our request. That's so good. I think um, a lot of times we are so busy just saying Jesus, which there's nothing wrong with that or, or God, but all throughout the Bible and especially in the Old Testament, we see people call on God naming a characteristic of who he is that fits their situation. So I think Jehovah Jireh may be one that people tend to talk about because that is God, our provider but there are so many other names and characteristics that speak into our current situation. So one just recently, I've been praying with a lot of people who have had surgeries or illness or, or struggles in that area and Jehovah Rapha, our healer, or when life is chaotic and crazy and we need God to bring order, we can call it to Elohim, who is the creator God who brought order into the world. I just think there's so much value in our focus on those aspects and characteristics of God. Right. And, and through our prayer life, that's just a way to draw in on that mm -hmm. and actually make that very real in our lives. And the second game changer in the way that we live, if we address and focus on a particular characteristic of God, is 
the impact it can have on our mind. Mm. The blog this week focuses on a story from 2 Kings chapter 19 when King Hezekiah is being threatened by another king who wants to invade. And side note, I just thought an enemy's best tactic was the element of surprise. Mm -hmm. But apparently, he wanted to wear King Hezekiah down with these letters of threat of what was going to happen. And then in doing so, he made fun of God, the Israel Israelites' God. And he said, and don't be telling me you're going to rely on your God to save you. So King Hezekiah puts this into practice. He calls in his prayer. He goes to the altar and he lays it out on the table for um God and tells them everything about it, but he calls on the living God. Mm. Are you going to tolerate this, what he's calling you? Because you're the living God. You can come and act. What are you going to do, God, about this? And I think we can learn from Hezekiah that there is beauty in referring to the characteristic of God or the name of God that we need to speak into our situation. And when he was calling on the living God, that empowered Hezekiah. So it changed his mind. His thought processes and the way he was thinking was very different. And the same can be for us. Oh, I love that. And you know, throughout the Old Testament, when you see the living God as the name that they're calling out, it is used in reference because they need him to move. Or it is praising God because they have seen him move. And I just think the connection between the name, the living God, and action is very significant. Yes. And who out there listening doesn't need a turnaround in their life right now, need some action on God's behalf. Amen and amen. So I think we look at the word, the world at large, and we see that we need the living Mm. God to act. There's hardship everywhere. But I also think we can dig into our own personal lives and say, man, we need you, God, to come through in these struggles and these hard things. Um, it reminds me of one of my favorite stories in the Bible, although, man, this name really applies to all of my favorite stories in the Bible now <laughs> that I'm thinking about all the ways that God has come through for his people. But I love the story of Daniel in um, the lion's den. And there's just no mistaking the danger he was in. Like, there's no way that you get dropped into a den of hungry lions. You cannot get out and you are not eaten other than the living God coming through for you. And at the end of the night, King Darius, who liked Daniel, but kind of got trapped in this, but doesn't worship God, came and saw that Daniel is saved. And he says this in Daniel, I'm gonna read Daniel 6, 25 through 27. King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Goodness, I just love that because when God acts, it is a witness to others. And here we have a non-God believer seeing and acknowledging that he is the living God. And then he, in turn, tells everybody in the whole country all about it. That's amazing. Well, I think we need to think about why the Israelites, and in that time, why were they referring to 
God as the living God. And there's a a piece of that I think we need to look at. In ancient times, they had literal idols that they would worship, idols that they made and gave names to. So they made these idols, right? Mm -hmm. In Psalms 115, verses four through eight, it says, their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Mm. They have eyes, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. They have noses, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not feel. They have feet, but they do not walk. They make no sound in their throats. Those who make them are like them. So are all who trust in them. So the people of God understood most of the time the lifelessness of those idols, right? And so in verse eight, the Amplified says it this way, those who make them will become like them, everyone who trusts in them. That's a little bit scary if you think (laughs) about it, that um, the lifeless gods that we may pursue, we will become like them, meaning that we too will become lifeless and our lives will not have any meaning. So let's camp out here for a moment. What are the different lifeless gods we might place our trust in? Well, it's funny because, you know, the, the name, the living God, if you take the opposite of that, the dead God, right? Like right. it implies that there's this other and opposite type of God that people were worshiping. And I will say the first time I saw a legit idol was when I went to India with an incredible missions group called Rahab's Rope. Um, and in India, idols are everywhere. And I mean, like in the hotel you stay in, you walk in and there's an eight foot idol at the front door. Um, they're on the roadside. They're in all the shops that you go in. We even went to a temple to see just what that looked like, how people were worshiping there. And the thing that struck me the most out of all of this was all the effort it took to make sure that the idol was provided for. I would watch them clear plates of food flowers and sacrifices, money, things that had been put in front of it the day before. Untouched, right? Of course, of course, because the idol cannot do. And not just that, there are people right outside the doors of most of these places starving to death. Yeah, and I even think, okay, so even if you think of the idol as a representation of a god, Mm -hmm. the food is still whatever that may have been, the being that they may have thought represented but was behind the idol was not doing anything with what they were bringing. Yeah, and I watched them take away the day before and put all the same things back in front of it. It was almost twilight zony. Yes. Um, watching all this work to be done for stone and metal and gold. Um, I mean, I feel like it's like me going home and you know wanting to grow in my knowledge. And so making spaghetti and putting it in front of my bookshelf, <laughs> like expecting that something's going to come from that. And it's not, but before I judge too hard, <laughs> I think we can easily do the same things. And right. it's maybe not a physical sacrifice. I'm maybe not putting flowers on top of my laptop because I really want to grow in my career, but we do give our hearts, our minds, our time, and our trust to things that are other than God. Um, I think about how money has become such an idol in this world. And I think it always has been, honestly. I mean, even Jesus talked about it. And here's the thing. I wouldn't call myself somebody that chases money. I, I really don't care what kind of car I drive. I just want to be safe. 
Um, I don't care where we live, although I do miss beautiful sunsets from my back porch, but I'm not somebody who's all about the dollar bill. I just, I just want to be able to provide for my family. Um, but we went through a time when that um, real estate market busted in like 2009, 2010. We had just had Hannah. I was leaving my job so that um, Nathan had just taken a job that was going to be plenty to provide for our family. And then we got a raw deal, a raw deal that cost us thousands and Ugh. thousands of dollars. Um, and all of a sudden money became a lot more important to me. Right. Um, it wasn't something that I ever thought that I worshiped, but I would say I put my trust in it. And, you know, because of need and costs, I had to go back to work. And granted, I was able to do a lot of really cool flexibility and God provided for my heart and for my needs through that. But I saw myself caring and counting on um, what I could do. And I forgot that it was God who was my provider, whether the housing market busted or not. That's very good. So I think of money, it can be like two different types of idols. It could be one where you're trying to acquire. That is your desire. You want to acquire a lot. But the other one be, would be when you are relying on the money for mm-hmm. your sufficiency rather mm-hmm. than God. Mm-hmm. So whether you have a lot or how much you have in your banking account doesn't really matter. You can still make money a God. So if we made an idol, I think the dollar bill would be a great representation of right. that. I think for mine, what comes to my mind, what I feel like God's been dealing with me recently would be more in the shape of that uh, bicep muscle thing on the emoji. The flex. The flex, (laughs) yes. Uh, Just a representation of you trying to be strong and uh, self-sufficient of your own. How ridiculous would it be if we actually had a wooden money sign and a wooden bicep flex. And we went over to it and we're like, okay, here we go. We just need you to show up again today. It's ridiculous, but 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 we we do. We do. We do it in Mm -hmm. other ways. And um, I would say if you're struggling with thinking, well, what would my lifeless God be? It would be, think about what is dominating your thoughts right now Mm. uh, over the past week or so. Something in there is possibly and potentially uh, a God that you are turning to or could turn, be tempted to. And it's not always something that's bad, like chasing money. Yeah, we can see that and go, wow, that's really unhealthy. But sometimes we take good things and we make them God things, like our children, our family, right. service opportunities. We can make them something more than they aren't. And so even in that, we need the living God to show up. Yes. So I have been recently convicted of my reliance on my own self sufficiency and. My own self is a lot of redundancy. What about you? (laughs) Yeah, intentional there. So if we are one hair off in our heart on surrendering to God, Mm -hmm. when that is walked out, even a thousand steps, we will find ourselves headed in a direction far from where we wanted to go. And I felt like that was me. I needed to lay everything back down on the altar and give each piece back to God, experiencing God's style. And what I mean by that, if you've ever heard of Henry Blackaby, he coined this term or this thought of 
find where God is at work and go join him. And so in my own self-sufficiency, I come up with all these ideas and then I start like, God bless this and um, all these things. So you're saying God join me, not me join you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Good, yeah. good point. Um, so the question then is, where is the living God already at work and where do you want me to join you? So listener, these lesser gods we pursue may have promise, but they will not deliver. And we have firsthand experience with it. Absolutely. They may offer hope, but they're going to disappoint. And they may look good and feel good and seem right in that moment, but will result in a lifetime of hurt if we are not careful. And just like the idols I saw in India, they have to maintain. Should we have to maintain God as well? Absolutely not. Like we need more work to do. Oh my goodness. It just comes to my mind. That might be another place to work. Are you tired? Mm. If we And I know we are, a lot of us are tired, but what's behind that tired? Maybe we are pursuing the wrong God. Or just trying to live in our own self-sufficiency. Own, which is uh, a lifeless God. Mm-hmm. So in Jeremiah 10, 10, it tells us, but the Lord is the only true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. Mm. So he is the only one who will last forever. All these other things are going to wear us out. They're going to fail us. God is the only one who is everlasting, who can sustain us and will keep his promises. And he is the living God who will act. So we want you to think about this open-ended statement and consider, listener, how you would finish this statement. Because I know you are the living God. In faith, I will. That's a good question. Glad our people will be sitting with it. I think sometimes we are able to say, because I know you're the living God, in faith, I will trust you with this circumstance. But then we go, has he moved yet? Has it changed yet? Yeah, nothing's Where's happening. Where's God? Why is this not happening? And so, if that is you, next week we'll be talking about the God who is unhurried. And that's, I'm excited about those yes. conversations too. Um, I'm going to leave you guys with Psalm 42, 1 and 2. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Thank you for listening to our podcast. To go deeper with the blog, visit godswordgiveshope.com. For more information on coaching with Janae, visit janaeshatleycamp.com. And to partner with us to help make God's Word Gives Hope possible, visit our website and click the Give button.